I have our guest on the phone, attorney Bernadette Broyles, and she's uh, representing Pasha Thomas and her daughter. But I want to play this clip for you before we get into our our interview. Um, number one, Randy. What happened to her? I felt devastated. I felt angry. I felt betrayed. I mean, I, w- I would have never thought, you know, who would think that when I dropped my child off at school, I never would think that she would be sexually assaulted in a bathroom by another little boy. Sexually assaulted, assaulted in a bathroom by another little boy, but a boy who is gender fluid. Let's get the facts of this case uh, with the attorney for Ms. Pasha Thomas, uh, Vernadette Broyles. Hey, attorney Broyles, how are you, ma'am? I'm doing well. How are you this morning? Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you for coming on early. So this case, I talked about this case uh, last week, and now I've, I come to find out that this case is right here in Georgia at Oakhurst, mm-hmm. uh, Oakhurst uh, Elementary School right here in Decatur, Georgia. So kind of give us a background. Uh, what happened? Oh, yeah. Well, thanks so much for having me. But so this story is about a school district that put a little girl in harm's way by passing a transgender uh, restroom access policy that gave unauthorized boys to have entrance into girls' bathrooms, um, showers, locker rooms, even overnight accommodations on school trips. And as a result of that, a five-year-old little girl was sexually assaulted in what should have been the privacy and the safety of her bathroom uh, that allowed this little boy in there. So the little boy now, he's is he a wreck? I don't want to say the term regular. I, I, I apologize. Is he a, I don't want to say normal. I don't know what to say. Is he just a regular boy? I guess I got to say regular, quote unquote, regular boy, or is he gender fluid as is being reported? Well, what we were informed of initially when we were contacted uh, by someone who, who wants to remain anonymous, but someone with knowledge uh, about the situation. And we were initially contacted um, because the person had some, some concerns that this little boy had been identified as gender fluid. And now what they does that away- mean for my audience? My audience, we're conservatives here. We don't know all the new terms. What is gender fluid? Yeah, I'm learning <laughs> them as well. Um, and so it's it's where a child um, is identified at times where, as as a boy and at other times as a girl. And at other times it could even at this point, it could be actually something else. Because, uh, you know, so according changes, to this ideology, other things come into the picture. So you can change from day to day. It's not something that you stay on. You can really change from day to day. Well, because it's divorced from actual anything physical or actual biology, um, it, it, it's, it, it's a mental perception. And so the mental perception change. can change from day to day. Absolutely. Okay. That's, that's the difficulty. Okay. So you're going now. So this boy was gender fluid or was he a, a, a boy boy? Where I again are what we were told by this person was that the boy was gender fluid. Now, when the, when the mother met with the school officials, the she mother asked being Miss Thomas, the uh, young Ms. girl's yeah, mother, Pasha. or the boy. Okay, Pasha. No, okay. the mother. Yeah, the, the 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 little girl's mother met with school officials. She she didn't know about this policy. That was so it was alarming to her. And so when she asked about how this boy was in the in the restroom, and she by that point had heard that he he was gender fluid, she also pressed on that, and 
they responded by defending that the Obama transgender policy required them to allow him to be there. So let me ask you, what is the policy? What is the policy that stands uh, in the Decatur schools in Oak Coast, Oakhurst, excuse me, elementary school in Decatur, Georgia? It is a district-wide policy. It was created by Superintendent Duty. And it was not done in, in the public. It was done through private uh, memos and emails with the school board. And it, it, it essentially says if, a, for instance, a boy self-identifies as a girl, he is to be allowed in restrooms, showers, locker rooms, the girls' restrooms, the girls' showers, the girls' locker rooms, and to be allowed to room with a girl if, uh, if they're, on, they're on a school trip. So is oh, a reverse and to tie up for girl sport teams. Is it is well. a girl is a reverse true if a if a female identifies as a male she's allowed to do everything in a boys locker rooms and so on and that so forth. That is correct. It's 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 either way. Yes, correct. So but this is an elementary school. So I'm not understanding. So you're telling me that uh what are the ages? 5, 6, 7, 8 years old? Is that elementary school? The elementary school would be anywhere from kindergarten to I believe 5th or 6th in that school district, it might be fourth or fifth grade. So, so you're um, telling me that elementary school. So, a gender fluid young man wants to go into the girls' shower. He would get naked, play sports, get naked, and go into the girls' shower with all his private parts showing to the girl, to the girls. That's that is what this, that is what this policy would would authorize. That is correct. And now, why would why would people do this? <laughs> I, I don't know why they're. Uh, really, <laughs> I mean, I, I just it's, don't. It's, it, when, it, when someone loses their common sense, it's hard to under, understand why. It, it, you'd have to ask them. It's a mis. It's a misplaced, I believe, uh, sense of, of attempting to perhaps accommodate. But I tell you, this way of a uh, this this is not the solution. It is not working, and it comes with unintended consequences. 844-404-1067. I'm on the phone with attorney Vernadette Broyles, who's handling the case of Miss Parsha Thomas and her daughter. Uh, Miss Thomas was a, uh, is a parent of a young, um, uh, how old is the young lady? Well, she, you know, the, she was in kindergarten. Uh, obviously, now it's a little bit later. Okay. But, uh, she was in five. She's now five. six. But so, yeah. Right. So a five-year-old girl who was accosted in a bathroom, a girl's bathroom, in uh, Oakhurst Elementary School in Decatur, Georgia. Now, this policy, you're saying, I, I, I saw the video. In the in the video that um, you released with Miss Pasha Thomas talking, and I have another clip coming from it, you say that parents, there are another uh, set of parents in this video who said they had no clue that this was going on. That's correct. So it was it was put in place but through a memo, and that was and the memo was was circulated in private emails to uh, to the school board between the superintendent. It was not put on the on the school board agenda. It was not voted on in public when it was when it was implemented. It was all done in the dark, and so finally, uh, after President Trump, the the Trump administration had rescinded the Obama transgender policy. Uh, apparently, Superintendent Duty felt some sort of need to place this policy on his Facebook page. And it was at, at that point that other parents discovered it. And they began to um, raise their objections. They were, they were understandably very concerned. In fact, these particular parents have to have a daughter in high school. And they, they so this extends all this is, yeah, go ahead. this is throughout Decatur schools, all the way up through high school, from elementary, middle, Correct. all the way to high school. Every school is under the same policy. 
Every school that's part of the city schools of Decatur. Gotcha. Okay. School district. Gotcha. Yes, which is a charter school district. That's okay. right. Okay. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So they began to uh, to converse with this superintendent. They met with him. They they sent several letters to him, and then they there was a, a, a very prominent school board meeting finally in October of 2017, and that's at me because the parents had outed this policy. At this point, and many people showed up in that meeting. And were, they were against it. Hold, hold on with me. We're on the phone with attorney Bernadette Broyles talking about um, uh, uh, Oakhurst Elementary School in Decatur, Georgia, and their policy that required all Decatur schools to admit boys who identify as female into girls' restrooms, locker rooms, and shower areas on school premises based solely on a stated preference of the individual student. And the reverse was true. And this young lady, uh, who's known as NT in the filing, uh, with the uh, U.S. Department of Education's Office for Civil Rights. Um, she is filing suit, and they have fi- filed suit uh, with the Office of Civil Rights and the Department of Education, which has agreed to pick up this case saying that this young lady wasn't protected. We're on the phone with this family's attorney, Bernadette Broyles. I get a knock early in the morning at the door. It's the Department of Family and Children's Services, the day after Christmas. So I'm thinking, I'm feeling confident. I'm saying, oh, wow, finally someone's going to do something about this. Only to find out they were there because the school said that I was responsible for the assault. So DFAS was there to investigate me and my home and my children living arrangements. They reported to DFACS that there had been an incident in the school bathroom but they named Miss Thomas as the responsible party. How do you, in your right mind, do something like that to a parent? Their child has been sexually assaulted. Then you turn around and paint them out as the villain. Just to sweep it up under the rug, because it all goes back to a policy that you have in place. That's uh, the parent, uh, Pasha Thomas, and she complained. So I'm on the phone with attorney Bernadette Broyles, who's handling Ms. Thomas's case. They have uh, the Alliance Defending Freedom is uh, taking this and uh, uh, filed a complaint with the U.S. Department of Education's Office of Civil Rights. And so uh, attorney Broyles is the local family attorney working with the Thomas family. Um, But this case has gone to the Department of Education's Office for Civil Rights. Let me read to you uh, what they're investigating. The agency is investigating whether the school district failed to provide a prompt response to a report that NT, that's the initials used for the young lady to protect her identity, was sexually assaulted whether the implementation of this policy contributed to creating a hostile environment for the student and other girls in non-compliance with Title IX, and whether the district retaliated against the student's parent for reporting the sexual harassment. What you just heard there was Miss Thomas, the parent, saying that uh, after the day after Christmas, DFACS came to her door to investigate her after she filed the complaint that her daughter was sexually harassed. And I'm on the phone with Attorney Broyles. Um, uh, Attorney Broyles, I've got a question. A lot of my listeners are going to say, well, Shelly, what difference does this make? But I want to ask this question. Um, This is Decatur. 
This is a mm-hmm. hotbed of liberalism, of, of, of we're open-minded, we love everybody. But the parent in this case is a single African-American uh, mother, African-American mother, single parent. Um, and to not follow through with her charges in a liberal city like Decatur, what does this mean to you? What, is, what did that say to you? Well, I think that there is, it's pretty clear to me that there is some pretty significant intimidation uh, that was brought to bear and that Miss Miss Thomas perceived. And right now, you know, there is a a study that the African-American community is very concerned about, is that of African-American students being disproportionately punished within the city schools of Decatur. And you know, I do perceive that there is some overlap. There is there there is some a, a mindset that perhaps Miss Thomas was experiencing, and in, in perhaps the school feeling that they could deflect responsibility from their policy away from the situation because she was a, a disempowered person. Because um, why and, would you? Why would yeah. what would what would defects get involved with? If 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 my daughter went to school and some gender fluid kid came into the girls' bathroom because you wrote a policy that said he was allowed to, and and she and and he touched my daughter, and I go to the school to complain, and you send defects to my house. Like, wouldn't you think you would send it to his house? Because usually, young kids that do that kind of stuff, they're being abused themselves. You, you are you're exactly right, and that is what's so baffling about about this case. Exactly what was reported. That's why we need to get to the bottom of it. Exactly what was reported, because you would have expected that yes, the perpetrator's situation would have been looked at. Uh, obviously, he's a victim in a sense as well. Right. But and and, there, and it makes no sense that the that somehow Miss Thomas is reported as responsible, and that's what that's what we learned from DFACS it, itself. That she was placed as the responsible party, even though the incident was reported to have occurred in the school bathroom. It, it made no, no sense. sense. Let's go to Scott. Scott has a question. Scott, welcome to Shelly Winter Show. You're on the phone with Attorney Broyles. Hey, a quick question. Is this, is this a legal process for the school district to just be able to make these policies without any sort of um, any sort of vote or in the parents even knowing about these policies? Or can they just... Is it legal for them to do what they're doing? And is the policy still in effect, or have they since changed the policy? Thank you, Scott. Great question. Um, Scott, parents all over the political spectrum have – there's one agreement here, is the idea that you need to do these type of policies out in in the sunlight. And in, no, it is, you're correct. This was not, in my view, it was not a legal process for passing this policy. But simply because they didn't tell the parents. You're saying it's not legal because they didn't tell the parents. It's not legal because they didn't put it on for 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 a vote for the school board, Understood. which has to be provided to the parents. Notice has to be provided. Then it would have been all done in 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 the sunshine. And and frankly, they probably would have gotten some pushback. Secondly, your second part of the question is yes, it is. It is still in effect. That is part of what we feel needs to be addressed uh, is that at this point, you know, girls and children, their privacy and safety are currently not protected by this policy that remains in effect in the city schools of Decatur. What's next? What what can our listeners do or what can we do? What what do we do? What do we look for next? What happens next? Well, you know, we have to let the 
uh, OCR, Office for Civil Rights, can, you know, run its courts and its investigation. And we're, of course, cooperating. We don't know precisely how long that's going to take. Um, but we are, our hopes is that this process will in, will assist the city schools indicator in coming up with a solution that does not put children, their privacy and their safety at risk, that it serves all the children rather than focusing on a small subset of children. All right. Attorney Broyles, we appreciate your time. We will be staying in touch with you to see how this uh, case progresses. And please let uh, want to let you know you have our number. So if you hear anything that you need our help on, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. Well, thank you so very much. You have a good one. God bless you.